Welcome to episode 12 and the final episode of the Telcom Corner Cafe. I am your host, Sean Sheedy. And before we get going on episode 12, I hope that these podcasts have been helpful. That's what they were intended for. They were intended to be of assistance from a operational functional perspective. It wasn't to sell any brands of anything or to lead anybody to particular pieces of equipment or anything. It was more to provide field experience and answers and solutions potentially for things that people are dealing in the field. With that said, our final episode is going to talk about optical loss test sets, visual fault locators, and fiber optic traffic identifiers. And we're going to start with fiber optic traffic identifiers because they are perceived as a single mode tool most of the time. And they are. They're primarily used with working with 900 micron coated or 250 micron coated fibers, usually in splice trays. Whether that be an actual case, whether that be pigtails that are spliced on, those are the most common applications that one finds a traffic identifier used with. That being said, they also have the ability to either reverse with the chuck or have the chuck within the tool flipped so that you can use 1.6, 2.0, or 3 millimeter jumper cables, which are often found in IT closets. So there is that application as well. That being said, they are a single mode tool from the standpoint of the sensitivity being that they create a bend radius in the cable that is either trying to identify traffic or signal. Multi-mode fibers generally cannot be bent enough with consistency every time to provide that type of traceability, if you will. So they are more of a single mode tool that way. There are some that will work okay with multi-mode fiber, but they are primarily a single mode tool, whether it be 250 micron coated fibers, 900 micron coated fibers, or one of the millimeter jacket sizes that I mentioned. So the purpose of the traffic identifier is to hopefully prevent anyone from cutting, in the case of a jumper, unplugging, or disconnecting an active fiber. They are a locator of active traffic on networks. That's the whole idea, so especially in a splice assignment, drawings may not be updated, drawings may not show because the information hasn't been added to the as-built drawings yet that a fiber is active. And somebody says, oh yeah, you can cut that. And you don't have a traffic identifier, you cut that and suddenly somebody goes down multiple people go down and it's unfortunate in the fact that usually when that happens it's not a business that isn't a doing something like a nightly update or something like that usually unfortunately when that happens fibers get cut for something like 911 other emergency services hospitals something of a great importance which unfortunately usually makes the situation worse but the traffic identifier is a tool that was designed to greatly reduce diminish hopefully even eliminate those types of potential issues now a visual fault locator is not the same thing it's a light emitting device and most commonly emits a red laser light somewhere between 630 to 670 nanometers which makes it visible hence the name of the tool that being said though they are a class 2 or class 3 laser device so they are not safe to look at that's one of the big mistakes a lot of people make with those oh it's a visible fault locator i can look at it no you can see the wavelength of light that it emits to be able to find the problem but you are not supposed to directly look at the tool it can cause a lot of 
sometimes repairable, a lot of the times unrepairable retinal damage or other eye damage. But those are both troubleshooting tools. One could argue that the traffic identifier is primarily an outside plant tool since it's primarily used for single mode and 250 and 900 micron coated fibers like we already talked about. One could argue that the visual fault locator is more useful as an inside plant tool. Maybe you're looking for a bad splice in a patch panel. Maybe you're looking for a cut in a fiber or maybe you added a fan out kit on something got stressed you want to see if there's any light loss leakage at that location visual fault locators will not shine through dark cable jackets and i say that for a particular reason of if i just said generically cable jackets some people would say well i can see it through a yellow jacket or a uh, orange jacket you can sometimes but you definitely will not see it through a outside plant polyethylene black jacketed cable okay you will not see it through the jacket that brings us to optical loss test sets And like the OTDR functions and episodes that we've talked about and features, it too has a specific application. Its sole purpose, for the most part, is to inform the end user or the testing technician the loss of what they're testing. And they can also be used with just the power meter side only as a power referencing tool. Meaning, you have a switch, router, or hub. Let's say X manufacturer, whoever that is you bought that from, it's supposed to put out negative 17 dBMs. DBMs measure power, DBs measure loss. You're going to make sure that the power meter is in the DBM mode. You're going to clean a jumper, plug that into the power meter input. You're going to clean the other end, plug that into the transmitting device, and you are going to get an output reading from that device. That's a step that largely in North America isn't as common as it is in the rest of the world. And whether that be because there's either better reliability, more faith in the numbers that the manufacturers suggest, whatever that reason might be, that's often a skipped over step, but a very important step because you want to make sure that it's putting out the correct specified amount of power that the device is supposed to. Too little power, obviously you won't have enough to power all your end users on that network or structure. Too much power, you can blind the electronics. So either too little or too much is a problem. So you want to verify that it's putting out the accurate amount of power specified by the manufacturer of it. That was actually the original use for power meters. Now, if you take a power meter and you, in combination with an optical loss light source, you now have an optical loss test set. So you have two devices, one being the transmitting device, the light source, and one being the receive device, the power meter. But you need to reference those out. And unfortunately, referencing used to be a really, really simple process. And I say that because there is primarily only one way to do it. Now, depending on what you're referencing for and what you're gonna be measuring, it varies. Are you gonna be working in data centers? They specify they would prefer the configuration be done with only one reference cord. If you're going to be referencing and measuring traditional link loss, they use primarily two jumpers, one coming out of the power meter, one coming out of the light source. We'll get more into that in a little bit when we talk about reference configuration. And if you're measuring using unique connector types, those being MTRJ, Panduit OptiJack, Volition VF45, There's lots of unique connectors that require a three cord or what some people refer to as the modified two cord reference jumper because in the end you need to end up with the types 
of plugs, if you will, or connectors on the ends in order to be able to conduct the test. But in order to reference out the equipment, you need both a receptacle and plug-in end to be able to be conducted properly or put together properly in order to reference the equipment. So let's talk about that for a second. So you're measuring data centers. Data centers, the reason they recommend one reference jumper is they want you to take a reference jumper, plug it into the power meter, of course, after you cleaned off the connector, plug the other end after you've cleaned it off. So now you have one plugged into the light source, one plugged into the power meter. You're going to hit the zero calibration or reference button on the power meter. It's going to be one of those three titles, depending on whether you have an Exfo, a GN net test, a Viavi, whoever's equipment that you have. Those are the three common terms that are used. It's zeroing, calibration, or referencing. And you're going to hold that button down for three seconds. That's going to take that reference and it's going to store that reference to the unit's memory. Once that's stored, then you're going to be able to conduct the test. However, there's one really important piece of information that needs to be clear. And that is, obviously you have to unplug from the test equipment, right? Which one? Certainly not both. So when referencing with one reference cord, you always unplug the end that's plugged into the power meter. Then you will take a second known good jumper. And this is the way the standard's written. You'll clean off that connector, plug that into the power meter, and then take the power meter with that added jumper, the light source with the reference jumper, and go and conduct your test. Why would you do it that way? Why do they want it that way? Because in the end configuration that they will be working with, and I say they, the customer, and their network every day, you will have two mated pairs of connector loss because they'll have a jumper at the workstation end and they'll have a jumper in the closet end. So they want their test results to reflect that same thing. So that's why you only used one jumper initially from the light source plugged into the power meter. You zeroed that out. That cord and those two connector ends are now not going to be part of any future loss testing. The second jumper that you added has two connectors. The jumper that will eventually be at the user end station will have two connectors. So they still end up with loss readings that will include four connectors, two mated pairs of loss impact in their measurements. So the reason they do that is their loss restrictions or budgets are so tight that they want to replicate the eventual type of hookup that they will have in their operational loss budget. So there's minimal and in reality, preferably no surprises or deviations. When measuring link loss, you will take a jumper, plug it into the power meter. You will take a jumper and plug it into the light source. You will take an adapter, what some people call a coupler or a bulkhead. You will connect those two jumpers to Together. You will press that same zero calibration or referencing key, stores that information just like it did before in the one reference jumper system, and you will then disconnect those two reference jumpers from the bulkhead, not from the test equipment like you did in the one reference jumper scenario, and then take one unit, the power meter, let's say, to one end, one unit, let's say the light source, to the other end, and conduct your testing. And neither one of those jumpers will count or add to the loss measurement results because in that case, they are interested in the cable plant, the installed cable, if you will, and its connectors at both ends and what that loss number is. They don't care about the jumper loss. They don't need to evaluate or make sure that there's a configuration within the testing done as they will do that later. 
So that's why in the two chord reference test method, you eliminate both jumpers in the calibrations of the test equipment and use them. Whereas in the data centers, you only use one and you add the second jumper because they want that in part of the equation because that's the way they're going to use the system. Now, that brings us to the three chord or what some people call the two chord modified test reference. These jumpers and connections have unique terminated ends to them. They're not like your traditional SC. STs, FCs, LCs, and those kinds of connectors. They have receptacle ends to them, and they have prongs to them, and the plug-in end feeds into that receptacle end. So they're not as straightforward as some of the traditional connector types are. And they're normally duplex, which adds another twist to referencing them because you can only reference one side at a time. That bothered a lot of people, so that really created a specific market and demand for somebody that really likes those types of connectors because there were methods required in the referencing, testing, and calibration that bothered a lot of traditionalists. But I don't want to get too far off the topic with that. So when you're using these types of connectors, Volition VF45, Panduit OptiJack, MTRJ, just to note a few, they're a duplex connector. They have a receptacle end and they have a prong end to them. And that third jumper is necessary so that you can connect everything together. So here's the way the modified two-chord or three-chord reference jumper theory works, if you need that. You're going to plug the connector, which normally will have either a hybrid design to it as far as the test reference jumpers. So you're going to plug whatever end of that hybrid ST, SC, or LC into the test equipment because that's what it's made with, that type of input. And then you're going to have that specialized end on the other side. Well, you have to have a receptacle end in there as well. The jumpers aren't going to have that. The receptacle end is normally in the patch panel. I'm going to use MTRJs as a random example. So an MTRJ jumper is going to have an MTRJ connector on one side and two simplex connectors of something else on the other side. Whether that be ST, SC, whatever it is, the typical normal connector type for the connection input of test equipment because you don't find a lot of test equipment with those types of specialized connectors or 10 millimeter chips which is what they are you plug in the traditional connector into the test equipment which means you're only going to be able to test one side of the mtrj at a time and you do that with the other side of the equipment well you need something to plug those into and what you need is a dual receptacle jumper so you're going to take the MTRJ end that's sticking out on the other end of the cable plugged into the light source into one of those receptacles. You're going to do the same thing with the MTRJ end that's sticking out of the jumper coming out of the power meter. You're going to connect those. Once you reference both sides of those, which will require you to do this testing reference process twice because you're going to have to then unplug the i'm just going to pick on st connectors for a second from the test equipment plug unplug one side plug in the other side test it again now you have both sides referenced the unfortunate part about that is now only one side of that cord is truly referenced and that's what a lot of people didn't like that's what the problem was with those but once you complete that process then that third jumper that you added that allowed you to connect that specialized type of connector in this case the mtrj you're going to remove that from the equation that way you now have a power meter with a connector plugged into the power meter directly mtrj and on the other end you have the light source traditional type of connector plugged into that mtrj connector on the other end of that and now you can go test 
those types of connectors. It's a very confusing method. It sounds a lot more confusing than it is, but it's because of all the different types of connectors that the industry has developed over the years has required these different configuration processes. So it's not just as easy as you have one process that fits all applications. Kind of similar to that old saying of one baseball cap fits all heads. Fits a lot of them, but it doesn't fit all of them. So that's why we have the one, two, and three reference cord configuration methods, depending on what type of connectors. Are they specialized or not? Are you testing link loss? Are you testing for data centers? What's the tightness or restrictions of the budgets allowed? That's why we have all those. Unfortunately, it's made optical loss testing a lot more complex because there's not just one way to do it anymore, but it better meets the needs of the industry and its applications and its loss budget analysis requirements which was the reason for coming up with all of those. Well, that concludes our series for the Telecom Corner Cafe. I hope you've enjoyed these 12 episodes. I hope they're helpful to you. Please contact me on the podcast site if you have any questions. Always glad to help and have a fantastic holiday season and even a better New Year's. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm your host, Sean Sheedy. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.